0: CJ Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio studios in Lake Wales, Florida, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because quote, people need to know what you know. End quote. This PBA and Bowling Writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002, 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So, Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom.
1: Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including a 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Kegel Company. So go to kegel.net. Well, Phantom fans, this week's special guest is a true student of the game. He started his bowling career at the age of 19, As a league bowler, then he watched the PBA tournament, and he decided that bowling would be his career. And in order to achieve his goal as a pro bowler, he worked for free with the best lane men in Northern California to see and learn what made that part of the game tick. And doing this allowed him to practice an enormous amount of games to develop the game that eventually got him to the pro level and little did he know that the knowledge that he acquired as a lane man would eventually land him a job with the PBA, first as the regional activities director, which made him be in charge of coordinating all the regional tournaments across the country, then as the PBA's first lane maintenance director. He loves to coach and share his vast knowledge, and also he won twice on Pro Bowler's Tour. So here he is again, the great Sam Baca. Hello, Sam, and welcome back to the show.
2: Hi, Lenny. Pleasure being here.
1: Well, you know, I always want to have you on, and this thing's getting pretty popular. There's all kinds of people who want to be on here, and I give a lot of people a variety of uh, talents to come on the show because we do want to pass along uh, knowledge uh, about bowling. And as you know, uh, lately we've been paying tribute The players from the past, because I've promised to never forget the past, its history and tradition. And this week, we'll be talking about an ABC and USBC Hall of Famer, Jim Godman. And nobody is better to talk about Jim than you, Sam. And we will be doing it for two shows. So having said that, let's break it down to show number one, which we'll do this week, about when you first met him, and then show number two will be more about his great career after he was a junior. But how does that sound, Sam? Does that sound good?
2: Sounds good. It brings back memories.
1: It's nothing like memories. You know, me and you were about 160 years old. We got a few memories <laughs> out there. Some we can't even talk about, but we can think about them. <laughs> but first of all, everybody knows that you're a gold-level coach and one of the very best in the world. Tell us when, where, and how did you acquire that fabulous knowledge that you have and that you always pass on?
2: Well, it started, like you said, with league bowling. I was working at a place called National Can. We went on strike. I was a bowler. I'd never known that. You know, I was always a, a kind of person that was a keen to action. You know, a little bit of gambling here, a little gambling there. And when I was at the bowling center, I saw these guys bowling for money, and I looked at them and I thought I could do that. What is it going to require? So I started studying the game a little bit during the strike. Even with the limited knowledge that I had then, I was competitive with uh, what I call hustling. You know, knowing who was a little worse than you and getting them to invite you into a better two. So during that time, as you said, I um, I. Started to work with the lane man there at night, helping him and uh, getting free bowling. And then when the resurfacers came in, I studied it from a surface standpoint through developing the game, watching the pros, you know, in local tournaments like uh, the 4th of July Classic and action bowling uh, in the area. Guys like Ed Borde and, and Billy Bonetta and guys like that. Eventually, getting to sit down and talk to him, I developed the game. And some knowledge and that combination uh, helped me get out on tour in a, a matter of four years.
1: You know, there's a whole lot of background that nobody knows about. But, you know, ironically, just the other day, <laughs> about three days ago, they had a clip on Facebook with you bowling against Bill Allen. <laughs> you had led that tournament, and I think it was in San Jose, but along with all that, uh, I was watching a YouTube and uh, Bill Benetta was doing the announcing with Freddie Wolf. and there you were as a young boy uh, just keeping score for everybody in that setting. And I asked you about that later on and you said that Benetta told you that to learn as much as you could because someday you're gonna stop striking. And then you can become a coach if you learn enough, and I'm sure that's what you did, right?
2: Oh yeah, Bill, Bill Bonetta, Billy Welo, guys like that had a lot of influence. Uh, Glenn Allison, I, I subbed for the Budweiser team a few times for Dick and Don Carter. Uh, I had a, a knack for being able to handle a mic, uh, so when one of them had to do something else besides bowl, I got to do that, and that helped me out a lot as far as uh picking up knowledge from the, you know, the greatest guys around at that time.
1: Yeah. How about Billy Wade? Did you ever uh, have conversations with him about
2: coaching? Oh, yeah, Billy was uh, actually my <laughs> kind of a mentor when I went out there because he flew a lot because he did the TV shows, but he's still bold. And I, as a young rookie out on the tour, I got to drive his Cadillac from uh, site to site. I'd pick him up at the airport. we talked bowling all the time. Uh, he was his old man during the week, but I was the guy that got his Cadillac to the next site.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you were never afraid to get your hands dirty as long as you could learn something. Because I remember going around with you and talking to all the different lane guys around the country, distributors, asking their opinions about this and that. And I know that's why you formed a a fantastic case history file on lanes. And not only that, you had the eye to help guys learn how to bowl, not only as rookies and juniors, but you could take an experienced guy and get him out of a slump just like that. So your eye was tremendous, but let's talk about Jim, Uh, Jim Godman. uh, As I mentioned, he's in the ABC PBA hall of fame. He was, and actually one of the greatest bowlers of all time. I know for a fact that you met up with him when he was a youngster. So can you tell us a little bit about that background? How and where did you first meet Jim Godman?
2: Okay, well, I met Jimmy uh, when when uh, the, the tra- tradition of bowling started to change. You know, when bowling alleys turned to bowling centers and became family-oriented. When I was developing my game, there was no such thing as a junior bowlers, but junior bowling had just started, you know, back up oh, around sixty-one in that area, and so all of a sudden, when I would be hanging around the bowling center, sometimes actually falling asleep in a booth after bowling and for money all night, <laughs> uh, Jimmy was bowling in a in a in the junior leagues, and he would come up as being influenced by tv you know back then it was pro tour on 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 tv wide world of sports so they would see it on tv and now they were at the center and the local guys now became local heroes and in my case everybody talked that i've won this tournament or won that tournament locally because i hadn't bowled on tour or i bowled in action i bowled oh i don't know don bickford once at the bowling center. And uh he was a pro and I beat him, therefore, you know, they gave me accolades for that. So Jimmy would come up and he'd say, What what's the most important thing I need to learn here? When I'm really interested, and I'd say, spares. Jimmy was a great spare bowler. I mean, at least up he'd make it. One of the reasons that he was was as a young youngster, he didn't just try to throw strikes. He would go out there and practice the smears is one of the things I did with all the guys that I worked with. But the funny part about it is that his dad came to me one time. And uh, I think Jimmy was a pretty much a swimmer. They had a pool in the backyard and he was in great shape anyway. We used to, you know, call him Tarzan, Jack Armstrong, stuff like that. He was a well-built, good-looking kid. And his dad came to me and he said, I'm Jim Godman, you know, uh, father. And I said, yeah, what can I do for you, sir? I mean, who's Jim Godman? I knew him as Jimmy the kid at the bowling corner. And he said, well, he idolizes what he sees on TV and he talks about you with his friends. And I'm concerned. I said, what do you mean? What are you concerned about? He said, well, I'm afraid that he's putting so much emphasis on his bullying that I, I don't you know, I don't want him to drop out of school. And uh, could you talk to him? And so when Jimmy came to me the next time, I said, uh, hey, I met your father. He seems to be a little concerned that you're putting so much time into the that you're not doing your homework and stuff like that. And he goes, oh, dad's always worried about this and that. And Jimmy had a little, anytime there was pressure, a little speech impediment. And, and he stuttered a little bit. And we talked about it. And. So as time went by, he developed the game that was, you know, pretty prolific for a young man. And so one day he came to me. He says, "When are we going to go bowl action? I want to bowl with you." (laughs) And uh, my was my kind of an uh, off the top of my head opportunity. I said, "When you graduate." So he took that in in hand, and he one day came to call me up at the bowling center and he says, I got us a match. And I said, what do you mean you got us a match? He said, he says, I got us a doubles match. I graduated a week ago.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I had promised them I would so off the top of my head. I said, when, when is it going to be? And he said, well, we'll go there on Saturday night and we're going to bowl. So I, didn't ask who it was going to be because I could see that he was competitive. You know, I watched him bowl. And uh, so we show up at Mel's Bowl, Alameda. Lo and behold, he's got us a match with Ed Schuler and Malfu Welling, who are probably <laughs> two of the better pot game bowlers in the area. I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we start off the match, I think, right around like back then, you know, Five, 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 uh, $5 a game and a uh, two game match, $10 on total. So, okay, so we go out, they, they sweep us the first time. Uh, we're competitive though, we're close. So the next time they beat us, we split the match, but we lose the total. During that time, uh, I knew the manager real well there, but Jimmy didn't know anybody there. And uh, so, Ed Schuler's backer comes in and starts mouthing off in the back uh, about what this is a stupid match, just so kid can't bowl this that and the other thing. And uh so finally I got tired of it and I went up, I said, two hundred on the next match. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh the guy I knew uh Bernie, the manager, and I went up and I said, Bernie, I need I might need some cashing, you know, and he'd lend me money before if I needed it. So I told the guy 200 on with Bernie here. So Bernie puts up $400. And, uh, we go back down and I say, okay, the matches, we're moving off this end of the house. I knew the other side of the house hooked a little bit more. And I thought, well, Jimmy throws a ball really hard, hard, you know, for a young guy at the time compared to uh, finesse bowlers like Mal flew uh Shuler and myself strokers, but so to speak. And, uh, so we moved to in front of the house. I knew they would hook more, you know, in most bowlings in front of the desk. And so um, I said, okay, the match now is uh, 10, 10, and, and 30. So uh, Chugler and say, okay, and we move. I always knew that I would bowled against these guys before. The more the money, the little, they, didn't, they weren't as relaxed. Five, five, and 10, easy. So... We move over to another pair. Jimmy comes up and he says, I don't have enough money to cover that bat And I said, needn't do I? Just bow good, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we did the new match, it, I had had uh, uh, Jimmy on leadoff. And I, I wanted to keep the pressure on Mel because I thought he was the weakest player and he was their leadoff man. So I moved to, to leadoff. And and I put Jimmy at anchor. So the match just starts off. It comes down to the 10th frame. And uh, they're ahead of us. And I get up. I strike out on the right lane. And Mel chokes it off, throws the split. So now we're in the lead by about two two pins. And Schuler and Jimmy are, are matching strikes. It comes down to the 10th frame. And we still have a two-pin lane. They're, like, tied. And Shuler gets up. He throws the first shot, gets a jiggler off the wall. I go, oh, God, this young kid, I don't know, maybe I should have put him at anchor. And Jimmy gets up, looks a little nervous, but takes off. Ball lands about three feet out on the lane, high, hard, and hard, Slams it right in the pocket, 10 in the pit. I said, oh, got by that one. Schuber gets up, throws one, goes right through the nose, caves it in. I go, oh no, yeah, that that's, that's got to be tough because nothing worse than having a guy throw a bad bad ball and strike. But Jimmy gets up, knees are a little shaky, takes off, high hard, lands about five feet out of the line, high hard and hard, boom, ten in the pit. I go. <laughs> now as long as he keeps it on the lane, doesn't get, you know, at that point, a seven count. If Schuler strikes, we could lose by one pin total. Schuler gets up, throws a, uh, the ball right right in the pocket, solid. I go, oh, man, now he's got to get at least eight for us to tie. And Jimmy gets up, just like he did before, five foot out my lane, frozen rope, packs it in, strikes City, comes running back, and looks me in the eye goes, don't you ever do that to me again (laughs) 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 that's what I knew that's what I knew he was going to be a champion because if nothing works your first match was action and $200 bet in the back and money that you don't have and he threw three strikes in a row (laughs) so so I know you said you taught
1: him the first thing was to make spares and I'm sure he did. He worked on that uh, because you're right. He was one of the best spare shooters of all time. But got, what what basically did you see in him the first couple of times you bowled bull, with action with him that you thought that wow this kid can he can probably go on? Uh, what what else was it besides his spares? Oh
2: well, you know the you know he, he was a, a, a I call it a tough student because of his talent. Um, uh, the area that we, we were in, uh, was, um, pretty much a track shot, you know, second arrow t- type of conditions, uh, surface wise. And, uh, so the rest of the country was different. He had the ability, uh, to have power, uh, that the game didn't possess yet. He was like one of the first power bowlers ahead of Ross. And, you know, today's uh, typical guys. So I knew that even when he wasn't playing the right angle, he, he could be uh, very competitive. He could overpower the lane. And a lot of guys didn't have that ability. Uh, The Fact that he could withstand the pressure that I put on in my first match showed me that he had the, you know, the self-confidence to get up and make a shot under pressure. And that's one of the things you need. One of the things that uh, I always tell guys, uh, especially at an action bowling is the ability to handle the pressure because there's, it's not like bowling, let's say on the tour, the pressure really comes on the TV show. Uh, You're bowling num against the number when you're qualifying, but it's like bowling for action. When you're on the TV show, it's a one game match. You got to win. Uh, there's, you know, you can't bowl 300 the next game and catch up. Yeah. So white like bowling action when you're on the TV show, but not so much in the qualifying. I, I call some guys front runners. The fact that they're not bowling an individual, they're bowling a number, makes them good qualifiers. But the guys that are great are good qualifiers, and they're good at, uh, at match play, so to speak, it's sudden death.
1: Yeah, well, he we went out there, you know, he became the rookie of the year, and I know because we, we got to know each other really well as time went by, and I knew that you guys had gone around the Bay Area, uh, bowling action, and there was a lot of good bowlers in the Bay Area back in the day, and, but he always attributed everything to you, Sam, and unfortunately, we lost him a couple years ago, but I can't wait for the next segment of this show to talk about his
2: career a little bit more, but you got anything to say before we have to close? Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy was not only one of my best students uh, who made me look good, but he was a good friend, and uh, I miss it. Yeah,
1: so do I, Bards. So do I. Well, we could talk for hours and hours about all the guys you helped, and we will mention a few of those next week. But the old clock at all does tell us we're out of time, and it's, Unbelievable how quickly the time flies on this show. but That's why they call it the fastest show in all of sports. But Barnes, I really enjoyed talking with you and reliving the old days. I can't wait to do it again next week. As I said, we're going to talk more about his career. But in closing, do you have one final thing to talk about?
2: I right, just uh, said just, uh, basically how the game still survives with all the changes. I really admire the guys that are out there today because it's a different venue, uh, let's say. I mean, uh, I watched that uh, guy from Australia the other day. He changed bowling balls. He changed deliveries. It's a a technical change in the game. They're all champions because it's a tough mental game. But I really do uh, appreciate what I see the guys doing today versus what they used to do.
1: Well, you're a real pro, and to realize what's going on, a lot of old-timers look down at today's players because of it's so much more equipment than it is execution. But as you know, you still got to execute. So having said that, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling, Bill Chrisman and his wife, Barbara, Brad Edelman from the High Roller, and our newest sponsor, Dave Kowalski. He's a former president of the Michigan State Coaches Association. They got 7,000 junior bowlers up there, so that's a good sign for our sport. Looking forward to talking to Sam again next week. So, bowling fans, this is a fan. And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I.